Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hello and welcome to Off The Beat and Track Podcast. I'm your host, I'm Stu Whiffin. It's another week, therefore it's another episode. Today's episode, I sit down with Poppy Ajuda and it is a lovely chat. I've been wanting to get Poppy on as a guest for quite a while and it took me a, a few attempts to get through to uh, uh, the, the, the people that look after uh Poppy's uh, comings and goings and uh, and I was so glad I kind of stuck with it because it was great to 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 finally get her on. I think she's one of the most exciting artists coming through in the UK at the moment and uh, and if you've not checked out the music then uh, then then go and do so as soon as this episode's finished. Um before we get on with uh today's chat with Poppy a few thank yous. Biggest thanks uh, always go to you lovely listeners for continuing to to support and share and 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 send messages about the podcast it's uh, it, it's so lovely that you know on top of getting you know on top of me getting to have these lovely chats with these super wonderful creatives um people then go and listen to it and send me little messages and, and tell their mates about the podcast and such so it's the icing on the cake so so biggest thanks always go to you lot um big love to scroobius pip uh, and all my brothers and sisters at the distraction pieces network which this podcast is very proud to be part of thank you to 76 for producing this podcast uh thanks to ben for helping put this podcast together um and yeah i think i think that's it i should say that if it's your first time listening um then welcome uh you you you, you yeah you've got you've missed a lot you're late to the party but it doesn't matter when you finish listening to this episode, if you enjoy it, then go and have a, a rummage in the archives because you can hear me talking to a big array of, of musicians, comedians, actors, producers, um, all sorts, as, as diverse as Public Enemy to Suede from Foo Fighters to, oh God, Idols, Sleaford Mods, um, Incredible acting talent like Maxine Peake, Amanda Abington, Thomas Turgoose, Joe Hartley, Michael Smiley, um, producers Butch Vig, um, Fatboy Slim, and if you like your stand-ups, oh my gosh, uh, a real who's who from James Acaster to Ed Gamble, Maisie Adam, Rich Wilson. Oh, the, the, the list is endless, but like I say, there's, there's, there's 400 episodes now, so... Go and explore, and I'm sure you'll see lots of very, very familiar names. And, uh, yeah, go and press play and have a little listen to them. Tell us um, all about their creative journey and some and some wonderful records. But don't go anywhere right now, because I know why you're here, 
and it's to listen to this episode. So it gives me great pleasure. So please enjoy Off The Beat and Track podcast with the wonderful Poppy Ajuda. Right, I've got to take a quick break in this podcast because I've got some super exciting news. Off The Beat and Track podcast is proud to go into partnership with the Cacao Bar from Hotel Chocolat. That's right. The Cacao Bar is not a chocolate bar. It's all the best bits of a chocolate bar put into a really exciting new alcoholic range. That's right. Gin, vodka, and a beautiful range of cream liqueurs. So one of the big bonuses of this partnership is obviously I'm super thrilled to have Hotel Chocolat working with us, but they sent me a great big box of this stuff. And I'm telling you, it's amazing. Go and check it out, www.hotelchocolat.com or over on the socials at Hotel Chocolat. But yeah, in the coming months, there's going to be opportunities for you to get involved with competitions with us, to win bottles of stuff. There's loads of exciting things coming soon, and I can't be more happy to say that this podcast is in partnership with the Cacao Bar from Hotel Chocolat. All right, let's get back to the podcast. It's off the beat and track podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network. Keep me stew with it. Okay, we are recording. Poppy, how are you doing today? I'm great. How are you? I'm all right. I'm all right. The sun's gone in. Like London was was really sunny yesterday, but <laughs> it's uh, it's a little bit overcast today. Where are you? I'm in London, but it's funny. I was with someone from LA and. English people we can't help one talking about the weather all the time but also like if there's a minute of sun I was like she was sitting in the shade and I was like I don't think you understand we may only get one day yeah it's like everyone was in their bikini like on this rooftop and like I was like trying to stay in the sun at the whole time and she's like you guys are crazy but you know it's true because now it's fucking cloudy yeah you've got to max it when it's there you know what I mean? You might not get another day this year. <laughs> it's so weird. I live just outside London in Essex and like the slightest bit of sunshine and like everywhere I look is just kind of guys in my area, shirts off, Staffordshire Bull Terrier uh, and that's it. Just wandering around. It looks like they've not been out for a year. They've just waited for that moment when there's a bit of sunshine. It's like, now I can take my dog out, but I will leave my shirt at home. It's, it's <laughs> like the unofficial uniform of Essex, I'm telling you. That sounds like a typical British summer, no? <laughs> 100%. <laughs> okay, right. Um, Poppy, before we get on to your song choices, I just want to ask you, um, sort of cast your mind back uh, four or five months to to the, the, the bonkers few years that, that that we all had to sort of endure. And yeah. I just want you to sort of tell me how you found those those sort of two years or, or more, 18 months in lockdown, how you found that personally and how you found it creatively. That's such a big question. That is so funny because sometimes I feel like I've blocked those two years out in the sense that sometimes someone will ask me, oh, like – when did you play this festival? And in my head, it's like it was last year when actually like I've missed out the two years that we kind of all just stopped. Yeah. Um, but on reflection, there was a lot, I think, because it was two years or a year and a half or however long. I think I went through a lot. I think I went through like chaos and feeling quite stressed and like overwhelmed by trying to work out what the future held for me creatively and personally. Um, And I remember that in the beginning of lockdown, kind of struggling to know like what I should be doing or how I should be doing it. 
um, especially because I was in the middle of um, finishing my debut album, which has just come out. Mm. But it was a little bit like, okay, I'm, I've almost finished it. And I've been in the studio playing with like loads of musicians at the same time in a room, which you then couldn't do. And then all the studios closed down. Sure. And it was like, what does looking, what does finishing this album look like? How will I release it? Obviously the music industry was kind of in chaos at that point. And um, when would be a good time to release it? And so it was, I don't know. I think I had to find my rhythm. I'm, I'm definitely someone who like is really good at making the most of anything. Um, I come from like, a family of like not very sympathetic people like you just get off and get on with it um and I think I'm quite a positive person so like even in my darkest moments I I try and find you know the silver lining or, or what I can do um so I started a podcast um which was great I built a studio in my house like built sound panels and bought microphones and like applied for grants and did all that kind of stuff um and finished the album at home which actually was really positive for my creativity but also like learning new skills learning to like really hone in on what I could do myself and what I didn't need other people to do but maybe relied on other people for um, and especially as a woman in the music industry I, I I wrote a lot more in my studio at home um, I actually also worked a lot more like across the world because I was on Zooms, which yeah. like maybe I would have thought before, oh, I have to go to LA if I want to work with these people. And I might have waited, but because no one was going anywhere and everyone got so used to working like over the internet, I wrote a lot of music with some producers who like I love working with and have now made up most of probably my second album um, in lockdown, which was a really interesting experience and a really new thing. And then I was kind of tracking all my vo vocals at home on my own and stuff. And, um, do you yeah. think moving forward, Poppy, your your take stuff like that with you, and do you think that's changed the way that you work now in some respects? Yeah, I mean, I think it empowered me to do a lot of things myself, um, and I know how I like things done, and I know what sounds good, and you know, I think as an independent artist and as like a person who I've not really, I've, I've never really studied anything that, like, I didn't grow up learning instruments or learning how music works and stuff, so I've kind of self taught lots of things and then I've kind of had like help here and there from like little classes or different yeah. things I've kind of picked up on the way so you're always learning on your on the way and I think having those years of like oh I just have to focus on music I can't do anything fashion I'm not focusing on fashion week or like doing anything outward doing anything like touring or like it was like just about writing and and working on my music and doing this podcast and really like solidifying what I wanted to say as an artist yeah um I think it helped me feel really confident in that. So then when everything opened up and I think also for self-reflection, I think I definitely had like the darkest points in like my mental health in those lockdowns sure. where I didn't even know if I should be an artist or if I had anything to offer the world, that would be what I thought I had to offer. Um, but I think that gave me a lot of perspective and it, and it gave me a lot of, um, direction in what I really wanted and maybe the decisions I was making that weren't for me um, and gave me the courage to create change in my life and I think since then I've really been working towards only the things that make sense for my long-term goals which I think sometimes you can be clouded by all the distractions of life and you know all the things that are going on and obviously we've thrown ourselves back into the more life straight away but yeah, it was it was up and down. <laughs> it was it was a lot of chaos. Okay. 
Let's start your playlist, Poppy, and I'm going to ask you, please, for track one, to tell me the song that you regard as having the greatest ever intro, please. So my track one was Luther Vandross, Never Too Much, because it's obviously the most iconic. I mean, there are so many songs that have amazing intros. Yeah. Like, in choosing this, I was like, I went through so many songs. And I, I think it's interesting because it's like a reflection of how music's changed because songs tend to have not as long intros anymore because of like the skip rate on Spotify and like ridiculous statistics that no one should really care about, but we have to. Well, um, I'm going to jump in. I'm going to jump in because that is, you've literally queued up my question because it's the question that I've asked 400 guests now and I've never framed it right. And you've basically asked yourself the question right there. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm always curious. Tell me, because you said about the skip rate, how that shouldn't even really matter which I love to hear. Tell me about your creative process. We'll get back to Luther and how incredible that record is. Tell me about your creative process and any considerations you make to getting on playlists and things like that. And would you ever let that compromise your process? Does it filter through the kind of the, the weight of, well, if I trim that off, there's a chance that TikTok, I'm no expert on, on that. I'm way too old to understand TikTok, but all of these things seem to be, factors now in an almost science of creating a pop single like just talk me through can you see why i've never framed this question right in 400 (laughs) times i just can never quite get it right i hope you get where i'm going with it just tell me about your your songwriting and essentially the 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 process of the intro yeah um i think it depends on the song and it depends on the artist you know like some artists aren't trying to make pop bangers and that's not vibe and they and they're really successful in their sound um i think my music kind of jumps around a lot like i have songs that feel more commercial and more popular and songs that are very like emotional and deep and slow and and i think that i cater to what the song is so you know if i'm making like a song that i think is really commercial and really pop then i might i might take that into consideration because you know, you want people to hear it and you want it to be catchy. And I think the the point of the fact that attention, what I see this as is in a modern era where we all have instant gratification and everything is like really quick, fast moving pictures, videos, our attention span has shortened. And the way we engage with creativity is more like the way we engage with content and everything has to like catch your attention. Otherwise you're bored. And I think that that is just something that is reflective of like the way culture has changed over time and what we've become used to with the internet and like mobile phones and all these kind of things. Um, I think in previous generations, people were much more interested in hearing the journey of the song in, in general, like the general public. Obviously I think there are people that are still interested in that. I, I definitely am, but um, I think like as a general population, people's attention spans have shortened. Um, and I think the point of a pop song is that it's catchy. Um, so, yeah, I might take that into consideration if I'm writing a song that is that kind of song. But then I'll also, if I really want, it's like, what what do you want the audience to get from the song? You know, like when you write a song, you might write a really emotional and deep song. And the point isn't to like, just like entertain them. You know, music has different uh aims at different times or you know like some of my songs are for like the journey and for listening to the story and like 
and then I don't give a fuck if, if yeah. it goes short or not, you know. I'm making it for me and my heart and for connecting with someone else. But, you know, if it's a song that's supposed to be fun and supposed to make you dance and supposed to, like, catch your attention, then you do kind of want it to be short and punchy and, and interesting and um, dynamic. So I think it depends on how you're making the song. Um, but, yeah, I don't have an issue with with taking those things into consideration where appropriate. Sure. Okay, let's talk Lufa and tell me tell me what you love about that song. It's kind of a song of my childhood. Like my mum used to play um, one of his records. I can't remember which album it was in the car, and we would always like listen to it like over and over again, especially on long journeys because we had we, we live in London, but we had family that lived all over England, so we'd often like travel to see people at Easter or Christmas and stuff. So I think it like soundtracks my childhood, but especially like I think on the album, which is interesting. I'm, as we're talking about intros and catchy songs, that song probably stands out the most because even though the intro is like probably longer, it like hits you in the face, you know? And yeah, it's just such a special song. And it's such a like joyful song. If you're trying to write a love song, I don't know, there's something about it that makes you so happy. I don't think I've ever achieved a song like that. Yeah. In terms of like, it's like a love song, but it's not heartbreak and it's not like pulling at your heartstrings. It's just like pure joy, which yeah. is like so reminiscent of, of of some kind of moments in love. Yeah, it's it's perfect because the, the stabs at the beginning, ba 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 ba, is the call to arms straight yeah. away. It's like yes, and to start lyrically, we've woke up today. Look, take your picture just to get me started, <laughs> and like, and it's one of them songs like. You was making me feel old, by the way, Poppy, because I was just thinking, when you sort of like being in your parents' car, thinking, fuck, I remember when that came out. Like, I'm feeling old now. (laughs) But, and it's one of them songs that, like, my kids, like, my kids know every word to that song. And there's something about the genius of the the lyrics to that song where you only need to hear that three times and you know every single word to that song. Melodies. And it's like, it's so good. Mm, So catchy. Yeah. So good. Also, if you repeat the same couple of words like loads of times, it's quite easy to remember. <laughs> like, <laughs> Absolutely. Too much, too much. Like for ages, yeah. I guess it's a little bit like um is that what's that Royer's song? Everybody that, loves like, the sunshine. Is it everybody the one that has um or maybe I'm thinking of Bill Withers? Yeah, Lovely it, Day. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm thinking of Bill Withers when he like repeats the line and it like goes round and round and round. Um, yeah. Yeah. Iconic, <laughs> iconic work. I'm going to take you back and I'm going to ask you, please, to tell me the first song that you remember hearing Poppy that had an emotional impact on you, please. Is that number two? Yeah. I've not got the things yet. Uh, um, The first song I remember hearing had an emotional impact. Um, Yeah, I was going to say Chasing Pavements Adele Mm -hmm. because I remember how dramatically... I played that song when I must have been broken hearted at something. I was like, I think I was in secondary school. I remember being like in the playground. I don't know who the hell I could have been broken up, like broken hearted over at like 13 or something. <laughs> but it just felt like so emotional. And like, she was just feeling what I was feeling. And like, should I give up or should I let go? Like, it's so funny. <laughs> these songs, I'm very dramatic and I always have been. <laughs> but like these songs that, they're so universal. I just think they're so special and so like, it's so incredible, I don't know, like to feel something so deeply and it to be about something that 
it's completely unique to you, but yeah. someone else across the world or some or somewhere else anywhere is feeling exactly the same and they feel like you're speaking to them. Yeah. And I mean, Adele's an incredible writer. She, oh, she's one of my favorite writers anyway. But yeah, that song was one that like always stuck with me. I'm always like, I prefer it when like uh, songwriters or, or lyricists essentially, I guess, like I prefer if they don't ever talk about what that song's about. Because I think it's like so much. Because I guess if you, it, it should be open to interpretation, right? Yeah. And like because if you hear "Chasing Pavements," it will have a completely different narrative to when I hear it, you know. Yeah. And like, and I don't want the definitive breakdown from the artist. Oh, this was about this because yeah. it kind of. Do you know what I mean? It sort of takes a little bit away from. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'd rather throw it out there and let everyone make of it what what they will. But, um, so where was where was great? You said you mentioned London. Was you always um, growing up in London? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that's where I was at school and everything. Yeah. How was that? Happy times. Yeah, I mean, I think London made me who I am. Definitely, like, made me street smart. And <laughs> I don't know. I had like family outside of London, and that we were always like the cool ones that came up from London and like <laughs> went to the countryside to like see them and stuff. So yeah. It, I love being from London. I I wouldn't want to be from anywhere else, I don't think. Yeah. And I want one more question on um on uh, on Adele. If you had to pinpoint the emotion itself that you got hearing that, what was it? I don't know, like drama. <laughs> Is that an emotion? But like just feels so dramatic. Yeah. Like I'm dying and nothing can save me, but like <laughs> <laughs> Adele gets me though. She you know understands. What? Yeah, do you know what I mean? <laughs> I'm not alone when I'm on YouTube like playing Adele. <laughs> like, yeah, I think I don't know. <laughs> okay. Well look, let's let's stay in the formative years. Uh, and I'm gonna ask you for track three, Poppy. Tell me the song that reminds you of your time at school, please. Yeah, so my time at school, which is just really funny, is Dutty Wine, and I think it's, who is it, Tony Matterhorn, Mm. because I remember, like, especially being someone mixed race, um, it's always, like, quite confusing how people perceive you or what space you fit in, and no one could ever really, no one ever really knew where I was from, especially because, like, I'm quite light-skinned and my hairs, I've not got, like, Caribbean hair, texture hair, Um, but... I went, my dad moved back to St. Lucia when I was 13. And then I started like going back and forth a lot to see him and, and stuff. And I got a lot more connected with like, I mean, obviously I was already with my family in London, but I don't know, I experienced much more like dance hall and like, just like listening to different music and stuff. So I came back and I thought I was like proper, like cool with all like my Jamaican dance hall music and stuff. So Dutty Wine was, and I remember this is, it's funny because I remember doing like Dutty Wine in like the classroom. We were like in English class and we were all like doing, it was just like so funny because yeah. Did you enjoy school? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I, I was someone who like, I love learning in general. So and I'm also like, I always grew up around older people. So I was kind of one of those people who could be friends with everyth- everyone. I was like friends with everyone at school and I could be friends with all the teachers and I could get away with like not wearing my uniform. And then like, I don't know, I I I, I just enjoyed, I think I enjoy, I enjoy being around people in general. I'm a very like sociable person. So school was, yeah, fun for me, I think. Yeah. So you're a creative kid. Mm. 
yeah, not to say I didn't find it hard. I was very dyslexic and dyspraxic and not, um, not what's the word, diagnosed or statement yeah. whatever. So school was definitely like challenging, but I think I was lucky to like fa- find teachers that would always like support me and help me. And like, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I don't think I had any like really bad experiences at school. I, I enjoyed it a lot. Did you know what you wanted to be when you was at school? Yeah, I always wanted to be a singer. I've always wanted to be a singer since I was basically like born. So it, yeah. when I was at secondary school, I would go into the music rooms at break time and just like play my songs to myself. And then like I'd get a friend to come in and listen to me and like force them to hear the songs. And they'd be like, oh, yeah, it's really good. And I'd be like, yeah, but you're just my friend. So like, yeah, like, I can't believe you kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but it was really like the beginning of of me working out what my sound was and and like... I don't know, just experimenting with being a musician. And I, I think I, I lost a lot of confidence at school, as, as I think teenage girls do. So I, I didn't, like I had a Brit school um, audition and I didn't go to it because I didn't think I'd get in. And like, I kind of went in a different academic direction because I wasn't sure that I was good enough to do that. Um, and then I ended up going to uni. But even like at uni, I remember when we had like the like careers person come into into uni and like talk to us and they were like who here we were in lecture hall like who here knows what they want to be and my friend like put her hand up and was like she wants to be like a singer like she knows what she wants to be and like, everyone kind of like thought it was funny and like the teacher kind of didn't take it seriously but it was like I think it was very clear my direction it was always yeah. that but I didn't always believe myself or I didn't always put my attention solely to it and I think that like as I was saying in the beginning about really realizing what my goals were and putting my full attention to them I think that only really happened in the last few years of really really like not trying to do a million things and actually focus selling a little or a lot Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction. And free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. You, you mentioned 
um, about not going to the Brit School audition, um, and 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 you know losing your confidence. I'm I'm, I'm going to ask you more about confidence a little later, um, but talk to me about. You, you may well say I don't have it. Or I've never had it. But talk to me about imposter syndrome. Is that something that that has has, has been part of your life at all? Yeah, I think it's interesting because I think that we all have the ability to like make get our minds there. Yeah. Um, I'm definitely someone who like won't let anything stop me. And I, I just like, I try and see the good side in everything and everyone. And I'm very like resourceful as a person. But I think I had more self-sabotage and imposter syndrome than I even realised. And I think it's about how you speak to yourself. And I think when my mental health hasn't been great, the way I speak to myself or the, you know, the internal conversation that I'm hearing is like, oh, you're not good enough. Or like, I hate this. Or like, you know, you like all of these things that are really negative and stop you from, because I also think like that there's that thing of like, if you're always preparing for a plan B, you're kind of preparing to not do the thing that you want to do. 100% you're not putting your your full like it's clear that this was always what I was going to do you know um and and like I've said lots of times in lots of places like you're only done when you quit and and when you carry on you're still doing it but you're not going to be that thing anymore if you quit and are you prepared to do whatever other lifestyle you've planned for yourself like no this is the thing you want to do so do it stop worrying about how it will happen because it if you're really committed to something, you'll make it happen. You'll make it work. Um, But yeah, I think that, not to say that I regret any choices I've made because I think like my degree has really helped inform the kind of songs I write and the things I talk about and really being like knowledgeable in in when I speak about like political issues or social issues. Um, That definitely comes from the things that I've studied, but I think it kind of came from this fear of like, what if I need to do something else? Yeah. Um, but I wouldn't be happy doing something else. Um, when you get them kind of that inner monologue kind of doubting yourself uh, and, and questioning yourself, have you got a, a sort of coping mechanism to kind of, you know, kick back against it? Mm, yeah, definitely. I think it's just about changing the narrative in your mind yeah. and, when you notice yourself speaking negatively just start saying positive things and what I do before every show before every performance like before a test when I was at uni like right before I start I can even remember doing it when I'm sitting down for my like degree exams is like you're good enough you're meant to be here you deserve this you've done everything you need to do to prepare for this moment you're ready like put yourself in the position to do the best you can like don't put yourself in a position to fail because then you will fail yeah. like believe yourself because if you don't believe yourself like I don't know it's just like it's mind games that we 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 do but it like there is so much pressure in the world and there is so much like negativity and comparison and there are a lot of broken people who put their negative energy into the world and like their insecurities and they project them onto other people and I think like you have to block that all out because you're only on your journey and you'll get there whenever you get there. But the more you listen to like other people who they don't understand your dream because they haven't dreamt it their whole life. You know, you've got 
however many years or 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, however old you are of experiencing, of understanding yourself. Anybody else's opinion is like their one or two year or six months or however long they've known you for, like they can never know you as well as you know, know yourself. Yeah. So trust yourself, trust what you want. Trust like what you think, trust your gut. Like yeah. I'm, I've learned to trust my gut so much more this year. Poppy, I'm going to ask you for track four to tell me the first song you remember buying from a record store. I mean, the, the first CD I ever bought was Teletubbies, <laughs> which is funny. <laughs> but the first record I bought from a record store, I think, in terms of like vinyl, I think it was Gil Scott Heron, um, The Re- Revolution Will Not Be Televised. Um, I love the fact, because normally this is the one where someone says something really fucking embarrassing. You got Teletubbies quickly out of the way and then just dropped one of the coolest fucking records ever recorded (laughs) straight on top of it. (laughs) Yeah, because I remember the the, like record cover and everything. Um, And it must have been when I first got my record player. And I guess at that time I was really interested in in his lyrics and the way that he spoke and sung and... um, the music as well, because I think it was a time in my life when I was getting more into, well, I was more surrounded by jazz musicians. So I was understanding music through them and understanding how to make music and how to like MD a band, musically direct a band um, for the first time, because I hadn't come from like a, a music, like uh, what's the word, like music learning background. Sure. Um, and I was I had a band, but I didn't know how to lead them, and I didn't know how to instruct them on what I wanted and how it should sound and what notes should be where and like what rhythms they should play and things like that. So I think that kind of was the beginning of like my music education in understanding really how to compose and arrange. You, you, we talk about music education, and you mentioned sort of road trips uh, with your mum listening to Lufa. Um, what about at home? Was it was it a musical house growing up? not not like from people playing so like everybody loved music like my mum met my dad in his club so like she was obviously someone who was very like inspired by music and like loved music um so like she would play stuff in the car that was very like soulful and interesting and like funk and all of that what sort of stuff like rare grooves and funk and al green al Jarreau, luther vandross marvin gay like all of that kind of music. Yeah. Um, Joni Mitchell, Tracy Chapman. And then my dad obviously had a nightclub. So I would listen to like all kinds of music. And he was very much when he came to the UK from St. Lucia, he like was in the sound system culture and like a lot of black people who came to the UK couldn't get jobs and they had qualifications, but they couldn't work in the way that they might have wanted to. So like his way into kind of, I guess, finding his way in London was through like sound systems and DJing and like playing music. So he's a very musical person. He, he can't like play anything, but I don't know, music was just always a part of like my childhood. And then my sisters were in a band. Um, the two, I have five sisters, but the two sisters I grew up with in my mom's side, they were in like a kind of pop punk band for a little bit. And they had these like fake, like learning guitars and they would never let me touch anything in their room. But I, when, when they were out, I used to like steal them. And that's kind of how I started being interested in like playing guitar. Because I was always writing songs, but I had to find a way to put them together. Um, so yeah, like music just kind of found its way into my life. It was never like intentional. 
um it wasn't intentionally like poppy's gonna learn an instrument or we're gonna get poppy these lessons or that it was like I don't know very natural I always wanted to be a singer I was always like singing writing songs like since as long as I can remember um but I think it kind of just from osmosis ended up in my brain I want to sort of question you a little bit more on confidence because you know you said that there was times at, at school when and I guess lots of, of teenage girls you know it, it's tough with your confidence you know for you know I've got two daughters of that age and I've you know I've seen them sort of experience you know self-doubt and stuff and you know you, you've you've gone on to 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 walk on 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 these big stages and and and, and front uh, the stage tell me about how you've developed confidence and where you're at now with your relationship with confidence I think it takes a lot of unlearning um and I think at the age of you know your daughters and and when I was at school and stuff the world just puts a like a magnifying glass on you you're not you, you just get to be a child and then all of a sudden you, you're forced to be a woman and everybody notices you and everybody has a point to say about what you're wearing or like if you and then you think you have to wear makeup and like you just suddenly it becomes so aware of like yourself in a physical manner um there's so much about young women that is based like that we learn our, our we learn our value judgment is based on how we look and how we move in space and if people like us and if we're funny or if we're intelligent like you feel like you have to be everything in order to be respected or to be found attractive and I think it's as well as a young girl you learn that like your first power is like in people noticing you or you're getting attention and it's kind of like this weird thing of like you don't like it but you you see that you have something that people notice and I think it can have really negative effects on the way you see you can warp the way you see yourself and, and warp what you see as valuable in who you are um so it is something that you have to unlearn. It, it, you have to find your value elsewhere. And, and cutting my hair off was a way for me as a young woman, learning what my value was and if I could like myself in a different way, in a way that wasn't really the way that women are supposed to be. Um, and I just put this wig on today. I've always been like against like having my hair long. But it's funny, like I've always it's so like the things that you ingrain in your mind that stay forever like I've always hated wearing pink because pink is a girl's color you'll hardly ever see me wearing pink and I wore pink the other day for like a performance and I was so annoyed about it I was like oh I'm wearing pink and I look so girly and it's like because I think that what I've internalized in my brain is that like by wearing pink that means I'm feminine and that means I'm weaker and it's like, that's ridiculous. I'm a very empowered person. I'm a very confident person. I'm very assertive. Anybody will tell you. I'll say whatever I want, whenever I want. I love to tell people about themselves. I'm someone who loves to give advice and loves to empower other women. If I see like an element of insecurity or if I see a woman being treated the way that she shouldn't be treated, I'm like so quick to be like, no, like value yourself. Um, and I think that that's taken years and years. Yeah. Of, like learning to be assertive and I think that that comes from leading a band I didn't know how to lead a band at first um and I felt like being assertive would mean that like people wouldn't like me well guess what as a band leader the point isn't to be liked the point is to lead and tell people what they're supposed to be doing so that they know how to do their best in that in that position but I think yeah. like, as a woman you you just internalize all this stuff that is just doesn't matter like it matters in the sense that 
people care about it, but you can actually be however you want to be. And I, and I think that I've only learned that in the last year, yeah. I've only really learned to like, not, not care what people think in, in the last year. Um, and I've really had to like make that a big part of who I am in order to protect my self-worth. Um, and if I feel like I'm compromising myself in order to be liked or to fit in or like, I just have to be like, no, like I can't do that because I think so many women are, are taught to not put themselves first and not, not to acknowledge who they actually are and not who other people want them to be. Um, and I think it, it's a constant unlearning. Poppy, let's go clubbing for track yeah. five. Tell me the song that soundtrack those years, please. With a little bit of luck, we can make it through the night. I can't even know the. I don't even know the words after that. I, I think I was just like. There was a, a night, like a garage night, I used to go to. Um, I haven't really clubbed much in my life. Why's that? I don't know. I've never really been like, it's funny because earlier I was saying I'm a really like social person and I love people and I do, but I'm not like a friend group person. I've always been a bit of like, I do my own thing and I can't like be in groups. So I have like different friends. I'm one of those people that like social butterflies just floats around, friends with everyone, but isn't really in a group. And I think that like when everybody was, also I hate shit music and clubs was always like shit pop music. Like I don't want to listen to this shit all day long. Like, no. I, I think I went to a club once and I was like, this will never happen again. Um, and I, I think as I got older, that become like became like specialist nights where I would go and see like my friends' bands play and stuff like that. Or like the Scala, remember the Scala like dub night? Mm. I used to go to that one, or like Channel One or like, I don't know, at Carnival or whatever. That's as close as I would get to a club. But this garage night, I had a boyfriend that went to Oxford Uni and we used to go to, so I used to go up to Oxford Union. We used to go to this club night. Um, and it was like the only fun thing in Oxford because everyone was like really posh and like not, <laughs> it was just like a very weird vibe. And we were like these two London kids. Um, but yeah, it was, that was fun. That was like a fun time in my life where I don't know, I wasn't so focused on work. I was kind of having a good time. See, I've been a club promoter for, oh god 35 years now and it's uh it's really weird because i like to think i'm quite a sociable person hmm. i fucking hate clubbing poppy it's been my <laughs> job my whole life right but i like to have a natter hence the podcast and like i'm not into shouting in someone's ear roll over shit music yeah like, i'd rather well, just yeah. like have a chat do you know what i mean i don't know if that's just because i'm old but uh I don't know. Yeah, I'm just I'm just not interested in in that kind of half conversation where you're just literally shouting in in each other's ears. It's like I don't enjoy it. Like it's uh yeah. Oh, yeah. Especially as a singer, I can't do that. So Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe that's why you'd never catch me in the club because my voice will be gone and then I can't work <laughs> anymore. Mm. I love a festival and like great DJs, but maybe also I think I've always been a very sensible person. I don't really drink. Like occasionally, I don't, I've never smoked, like I've never been, I was never a crazy kid. But then I think because I grew up in a nightclub, I didn't feel the need to rebel. Like I didn't, yeah. I didn't have to like go out to experience the world. Like 
every New Year's Eve, I was in a nightclub already at like 10. <laughs> so, did, did you feel like you'd already sort of seen behind the curtain before you got to the age when you could go and experience the magic of clubbing? I just didn't think about it. I, I didn't even consider that anybody else hadn't had a childhood like mine. Yeah. And I remember like having a conversation with someone once and explaining my childhood and realizing, oh, it's really not that normal to grow up in a nightclub or like to be around a lot of people. I think that's why I'm sociable and very like confident and kind of easygoing with strangers because I was always around strangers. I would like, if I woke up when I was staying at my dad's house, I'd wake up from the base of the bed shaking and like my dad would have put me to bed. He would, I would have gone to sleep with him next to me and he'd obviously gone downstairs to like deal with the club. I wake up, he's not there. So I'm like screaming, like, what the hell, dad? You just left me. I was a very Klingon child. So I'd come downstairs in the club. I'm definitely I'm, getting a dramatic theme as very well. Dramatic. <laughs> very dramatic. Like, I was, I was, this is what I mean. I was destined to be a songwriter. I'd come downstairs. I'd be like five years old, screaming. Someone would lift me up like Simba. And they would be like, David, like your child is in the club. And I'd literally just get like passed to someone. And like someone would be like, oh, David, I'm holding your daughter. Like, I was just like it was so normal for me to be like in that, like, quite chaotic environment yeah. so like no wonder I ended up in the like unregulated music industry because that was basically my childhood <laughs> so are you, would you say you're comfortable in chaos then yeah I think I am comfortable in chaos I think I like structure and I like security maybe because that was difficult growing up but I just like made it work so I've always been someone who's very like I don't know, like I, I, I form very strong bonds with people, like I'm, I have very long relationships. I'm like, I'm very devoted and I like security. I like, like to know where I, I stand and what's going to happen in the future. And like, I don't know, my mum would always say that like, I need to know and I have, you have to tell me what's going to happen and then what are we doing? And then, and then what are we doing? Because like, life is very chaotic and I think I needed that stability. Um, and so I think it was important to like create that for myself as I grew up. Um, but yeah, chaos is chaos is life. You have to just adapt. Chaos and stability. I mean, chaos, I would definitely uh, throw that in the mix when we talk about the music industry. Stability, I'm not so sure of. Um, and I spoke about confidence. Um, but what I'm interested to know about as well is you've chosen a career and you've, you've 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 created a very successful career in a very tough industry poppy mm. i've asked you about your relationship with confidence tell me about your relationship with drive oh drive i'm very driven very ambitious anyone anyone that, that like you could speak to about me would say that N every not everybody's always got it um i think people that i've dated have found that difficult because in, in so far as what? Explain. I just want to work all the time because I love what I do. Um, and I know where I want to go. Um, and not everybody wants to do that. Lots of people want to hang out and chill. I've never been someone who really like, I think that's why I don't have big friend groups. I don't hang out that much. Um, I don't know. Like I, I'm just, and even my family, like, my mum's very chill. Like she's not someone who ever pushed me to work hard at school or like no one ever expected anything of me. Um, but I always wanted to prove myself. Like at uni, I had to get a first. Like it's not like anybody told me I had to get a first, but I wanted to show them that like I was. Show who? 
I don't know. <laughs> I guess myself, I've, I've ha- I have such a high standard for myself. I have such a like, I think it's like a perfectionism thing. Um, maybe I have something from childhood that's like, I am good enough that I like, I internalized, I had to prove that I was good enough. Um, yeah, it's always been something that has, I think it's what makes a lot of artists, artists, that feeling of like that kind of emotional, like there's something there that you feel like you have to prove yourself in some way. Um, but I think it pushes me. I think if I had everything in life, I know people that have had everything in life and have no drive and ambition because they don't know where to focus their energy. You know, like if I don't make something of myself, no one's going to catch me. And I think that's driven me to, to do what I do and to be very independent and very like, I don't know, focused on doing that myself. I think sometimes I can be too independent and um, not rely on others enough and not be able to ask for help enough. But it definitely gives me drive. And um, it's something that I appreciate about myself. I love that I know what I want. I know what I want to do. Not, not everybody is granted with that, knowing what they want to do. I've always known what I wanted to do. Okay. Well, I'm going to take you home. And for track six, I'm going to ask you to tell me a favourite song from an artist from your home county, please. My favourite artist, Amy Winehouse. Um, Stronger Than Me was a song that I chose. Um, but I love all her songs, especially every song on Frank album. Um, yeah, she's just, her songwriting is incredible. And yeah, I just, I think she inspired me a lot to be honest in my music, to be myself. You know, she's, she's a woman who wasn't necessarily trying to be political or trying to like change what it looked like to be a woman in society, but she did by the way that she was, cause she was loud and she was rude. And like, she said whatever she wanted and she swore she wasn't trying. But there was a vulnerability in her lyrics as well that mm-hmm. counteracted that. I think, I think there was that, you know, she, she was, she was yeah, she was fragile on that vulnerability in them lyrics that, you know, you, you just think, you know, she's heartbroken here. And and it. we've listened to a million and one, you know, songs that are, are written about heartbreak, but there was something, I think, about Amy Winehouse that just felt so fucking real, her, song, like her lyrics. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? There was just something about it. It's the, it's the trauma. <laughs> you yeah. can tell that she um, had been through stuff. Mm. And, you know, we've all been through stuff. So I think you can connect to someone who wears their heart on their sleeve because it's a hard thing to do, but we all feel it. And we don't always talk about it. And so I think that, like, the incredible thing about being an artist, and I think that you do have a responsibility, like, as an artist to be raw and honest because you can be. Not many people are, like given the, like, I don't know, given the space or the leeway to be vulnerable and broken and, and fragile, you know, as an artist, you're allowed to do that. You're allowed to be a mess. It's, it's part of your art. Yeah. Um, but you, but what you're doing is you're kind of creating that, I don't know, solidarity with other people who are feeling that, but aren't afforded the luxury or the privilege to, to be, to be in that way. And I think, yeah, Amy Winehouse did that incredibly just by being herself. And um, I think she needed a lot more of our support than people were willing to give her. And she obviously didn't have, you know, the, the 
the structures around her to protect her from everything that she felt. Because I think, you know, like it can also be traumatic writing songs that make you relive whatever you're feeling. It's like you're constantly in a hyper emotional state. Um, and you put that with loads of touring and burnout and, you know, being put under a huge magnifying glass that will have a detrimental effect on your mental health. So I think we're lucky to be in an era now where mental health is a lot more understood and a, and a lot more accounted for. Uh, and it is. But do you think, do you think like major labels are hyper aware of that? You know, I often wonder when, the, the, you know, you, you, you see big corporations making these statements and I wonder how far that filters through to the actual day-to-day if an artist blows up big and it's like, right, we need to get them doing this, 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 this. Like, are they going to go, oh, hang on, no, this is going to break this person, this is going to burn no, out this no, person. Yeah. I still think they're going to get green-lighted. Go on, yeah, let's do it. A hundred percent. They don't give a fuck. Um, I think, and other, other creative industries are, like, really becoming aware of, like, how much, like, the music industry is just the wild, wild west. And yeah. I think... I've been lucky as an independent artist. I think my journey is is a, is a slower rise to where I see myself going, but I think I've been protected from that in some to some extent. That I know so many artists that have been signed into crazy seven five hour album deals or haven't been able to even release anything in seven years or like so many people I know. And it really messes with their mental health and the big system, the big bank loan doesn't care because it's not, it's a system, like it, it's a business. Yeah. Um, and I've been lucky to have con- control over my journey in that sense. But I think equally when things are going a hundred miles an hour, you have to make sure you have people around you that will safeguard you yeah. because everybody is riding on you being able to work at a hundred miles an hour, but you have to do it. Yeah. And actually what there needs to be a, a better awareness for is that you, you're going to do a better job if you're in a position to do it at your best because you're in the right mindset. If you're feeling terrible, to be fair, you might make better songs, which I think the <laughs> <laughs> industry knows that to some extent. Um, no one makes good songs when they're really happy. But um, like you're just going to burn out and your career isn't going to last as long and and no one's going to benefit from that if we're thinking about it from a a business perspective. So I think there has to be a lot more, uh, like from a legislation space or like from a law space that safeguards artists and puts things in in place like therapy and, and mental health support and the amount of hours you can work. You know, every other work space has that. Yeah. But people who are self-employed and artists are just, if you're on tour for four weeks, you might be working 100% of the time. You might not have any days off. You might not have any hours off apart from when you're sleeping. Yeah. Like, that's actually, like, not fair from, like, a working perspective, from, like, a human rights perspective, but nobody ever acknowledges that. Yeah. Um, and then people and, like, the press will take a certain perspective when someone crashes, like Amy Winehouse. Yeah. Well, it's salacious, isn't it? Like, you know, it it sells papers. People are way more interested in something going badly for someone rather than applauding them when they're doing well. It's, uh, I think it's, I think there's something quite 
quite British about that that mindset, and and I, and I find that really sad. That you are a little dark core. Yeah, like, let's oh oh that's oh that's gone bad. Oh, he's cheated on her. Let's 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 yeah. read all the grotty little details. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> on to something more positive. Um, tastemaker time, Poppy. For your last track, I'm going to ask you to please tell me the song that you think many people may not know that you would like them to hear, please. There's a song I love, which I'm obsessed with and have been since I discovered it, and it's by an artist called Melanie Charles, and the song's called Be On My Side. And it's just beautiful. It sounds like it was written in another time, but she's like a young woman making music today. Um, I think she's from New York. I actually um, did my first show in New York for New York Winter Jazz before the pandemic a couple of years ago. And I didn't even know what she looked like. And she came into the green room. I think she was performing with someone else. And then she was like, oh, hi, I'm Melanie. And then, like, I realised who she was. And I literally had such a, like, I was like, oh, my God, you're Melanie Charles. I'm obsessed with this song. And I think she's a relatively new artist, uh, making her music, kind of making her way. But, yeah, I, I think it's just so incredible when an artist just, like, does their thing and goes in the direction that feels so natural to them. It, it, you can tell with the song, it, it feels so organic and, and it's just a really beautiful song. So yeah, it, it really is. And, and, and thanks for sending that over because I, I was listening through the, the, the tracks ahead of you coming on and I hadn't heard of that. And, and I put it on and then straight away, I, it's fucking amazing. And then I was like, how have I missed her? Like, <laughs> and I thought, this must be like, and I've done deep dives on sort of 60s, 70s soul music. And and then I looked and I was like, oh, she's a new artist. Yeah, exactly. And I was like, and oh, when you said goodness. that, like, you can't place it, can you? Like, sonically, it's like, yeah, it just comes like, sounds completely kind of, sort of timeless. But yeah, what a beautiful track. Well, we make it really easy for listeners to, to, to listen to that and all the other songs that we spoke about, Poppy. And obviously, we put some of your music on there as well because we do a little Spotify playlist to. Uh, accompany the podcast um poppy we're we're halfway through uh 2022 in a far more open connected and back to some sort of sense of normality and which is a, a a huge positive for the creative industries tell me what you're looking forward to from the rest of 2022 personally and what's going to be happening professionally Oh, I mean, I'm just really so excited that my album's out. Um, it's really like, yeah, it's incredible. I'm, my Jules Holland performance goes out tonight. Um, so I'm just so excited to watch that. And, and like, that's just been a dream of mine to perform on Jules like my whole life. Right. Stop. Stop there. Right. How was that? Because you missed the Top of the Pops generation. And when I've had guests on here that have been on Top of the Pops, I'm like, tell me about getting the call you was going to do that. So tell me about getting the call you're going to go on Jules and tell me about going on there. Did it live up to all your expectations? Yeah, I mean, that's like being a lifelong dream. And it's funny because I have friends in America who like don't know, like like Jules Holland is like the biggest British music platform. Mm it's like a heritage thing, but they don't, they, they don't see it. Like they don't have that. I guess it's like their version of like Jimmy Fallon or something like that. Um, But it's like, no, I'm trying to explain like, no, this is like something I've been watching since I was like 10 years old and seen all my favorite artists come through and, and see my favorite artists at their beginning point, you know? Um, 
so yeah it's so overwhelming I was very very anxious I'm someone who I do get anxious before a show but like usually I can get it together but I was a mess the morning of Jules Holland's <laughs> there was a lot of preparation so there was a lot of pressure I really wanted everything to be perfect so like from the outfit to the like movement and like movement rehearsals and, and the band rehearsals and like just getting all the tech in the right place yeah there was a lot to do and I just wanted it to all come together perfectly for this moment and I, I do a song with Jules as well and I was really scared for that because we didn't he called me up and it was just like oh yeah we'll do the song we'll just practice like 10 minutes before the show and I was like this is national tv like don't make me <laughs> he's just like yeah it's really chill we'll just do it and I'm like uh yeah yeah sure it's fine um so like that was just like nerve-wracking um and but yeah like so overwhelming and so special and like yeah I can't even describe it I still feel really overwhelmed by the fact that I've performed on Jules Holland I think when I see it tonight it will be it will like set into place but yeah wonderful wonderful so the rest of the year then aside from Jules what else is coming up I've got my tour which is going to be amazing like to tour the album um it's going to be really special in like Europe UK I'm hoping to do some shows in the US and Japan which is incredible um but yeah like I just feel like personally I feel really excited that like you know my heart is in this album like my album is me so it's it doesn't really feel like they're separate like it feels like my dream of how I wanted to create this process and and be an artist is is really coming true this year and that means so much to me on a personal level because this is all I've ever wanted to do and and finally I'm doing it in the way I want to do it and I can see exactly where I want to go so yeah I feel really good on a on a personal level for that and I'm I'm so ready to just like put 100% into it so yeah I'm just ready for this year basically um and I've got another single coming out which I'm just like so excited for it's with Jungle and they produced it and like wow. they're just such amazing musicians and we got on so well and like it was a song we made on on first meeting and I just love it so much so yeah I'm, that's coming out I think next month so I'm yeah just really excited for the year wonderful and if people want to keep up to speed with all of this where's the best place to to start up to speed with you yeah just on my socials or yeah on my socials probably i'm probably on instagram the most um come find me come say hi wonderful well if it's cool with you we'll tag you in when we put this episode out so people can find you nice and easy poppy it's been an absolute joy chatting records with you you today mate thank you so much (laughs) there you have it Go check out Poppy's music. If you've not done it, go check it out. Um, Massive thanks to Poppy for giving up her time to come and have a chat with me. Um, Like I say, you know, as I said at the beginning, she's, I really do think she's one of the most exciting um, artists breaking through right now uh, in the UK. I stumbled across Poppy's music on Six Music and, it's it's it, it blew my mind and uh yeah super excited to see where poppy's career is going to go because i think we're uh we're going to see super huge things for her and uh, and i hope so because uh yeah what a lovely person um as mentioned at the beginning go check out the back catalog there's 400 episodes if you'd like to support the podcast there's loads of ways you can do it you can just give us a like love share a retweet on the socials that's all good you can just nudge your mate and uh go oh, i had this podcast with this lispy old guy from essex like He's, uh, he just talks to people about records. Go and have a listen. Um, or I have a Patreon. That Patreon, um, I put up loads of weekly content over there. You can watch all the episodes if you like to 
to watch these chats. You can you can do all of that over on Patreon. There's hundreds of radio shows that you can go and listen to that I've put together where I yeah, and loads of other episodes that have never been released to the public. Um they're all available over on Patreon and it costs you ninety nine uh no, a dollar. A dollar a month. What's that? I don't know. Fifteen P a week. Um and I know times are tough. Um but if you can spare a dollar a month, then uh, yeah, it goes in the pot to kind of help with the podcast production and everything else. Um, anyway, I think I'm done. Thanks ever so much for listening. Your one-stop shop for all things uh, this podcast is offthebeatandtrackpodcast.com. I'm back next time. Um, in the meantime, yeah, just be nice to each other and uh, I love you lots. Bye-bye. It's Off The Beat and Track Podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network. Keep me, Stu with him. Eat a bucket.